0: keeping track uh i think my upstairs neighbors might be moving out that might be the turning point on 2014 for me i might make it after all you guys
1: you've had a bad
0: 2014 but maybe if maybe if my maybe i can blame 24 all of 2014 so far on my upstairs neighbor. I mean, you do,
1: you do blame most of your problems on your upstairs neighbors already, so it's not it's not like it's that much of a stretch. I mean, some of it is probably their fault. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> there's a <laughs> there's an amount of it that's direct directly attributable to them. And did then we talk about
0: my ceiling on the podcast? I don't
1: think we've talked about your ceiling. Like, All okay, right, let, let me just Frozen let, me, let me read. Let me read oh, the litany let me tell you a tale that grows in the telling and it's, it's kind of like odyssey like, so in some ways it's kind of like a book all by itself. Um, so it so far in January, Craig has had a pipe in a ceiling burst, which totally ruined his ceiling and his kitchen. Uh huh. Um, he slipped on some ice and, yep. And cracked his iPad screen. And also he hurt his arm, which might be better by now. I don't know. Like, uh, it, it's okay. Okay, so so probably he did something that he should go see a doctor for, but he he doesn't want no, to. No, not yet.
0: Or can't and I don't know. Okay. Um. Then the next day, I I wanged my other hand on a chair, and that he, still bothers me. He
1: wanged his hand, which is bad. He used um the word wang as a. It's what, been a, a bad verb? year. It's, a, it's been a bad year so far. Yeah, so I mean th- there's that which is uh-huh. which is too bad. Mhm. Um he's having some work troubles. He's having trouble adjusting to the old rat race. Uh-huh. Those of you in the rat race probably don't have a lot of sympathy because you're too busy racing. No,
0: my heart goes <laughs> out to all you rats racing out there. It's tough. I I've run that rat race a couple of days a week and uh it don't get no easier.
1: Don't get I no don't, easier. Really don't. Have you played uh, that video game Rat Racer? No. <laughs>
0: That's, I love that part where that mice that mouse gets on a
1: bike. It's too derivative of Mario Kart, I think.
0: Oh, well, a lot of things are. Uh, like this podcast, which is about the books that you've been meaning to read. It's called Overdue. My name is Craig.
1: My name is Andrew.
0: And I totally surprised you with that intro, didn't I? No, you're good. All right, good. Okay, so, I, I do
1: what? have, before we get started, I have a, reader, a Ooh. reader. It's not an email, it's more of like a verbal... Is it a... Comment that one of our readers told me about. Oh, um, I've been told by my fiance Susanna that I should let everybody know. All our listeners should know that I am really excited about our wedding, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm looking forward to becoming <laughs> to sharing my life with her forever. <laughs> Apparently, when I was when I was uh, when I was when I was venting to the internet. Mhm. Last week, um it it may have come off as sounding like I'm not super excited about our pending nuptials and I just want to let everybody know. I just wanted to let our readers know because they seem concerned that it's not like I'm 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 pretty excited about it. I don't I don't care about centerpieces, but I care about like love and stuff.
0: I I don't want to ruin the illusion but uh the version that everyone heard was also the edited version.
1: <laughs> you just you you edited all the stuff where I said how how thrilled I am.
0: Yeah, cuz it wasn't as interesting and it wouldn't lead to all the fun conflict.
1: Yeah, so so conflict is good. So that that was the reader thing I had. Have you have you checked our email account? I lately? did. Have we you... got
0: all we got a lot of uh we got a lot of email from Twitter. Not not tweets, just email from Twitter so far. Is, Twitter's New Year's resolution is to send you more email.
1: Did we get anything good? Like did they
0: they told us to celebrate our Twitterversary, which probably means that in the next week or two we are celebrating the proper anniversary of this podcast, which is kind of yeah, cool. Actually,
1: yeah, we started recording in like February and then started publishing in March. So, man, we kind of
0: turned a New Year's resolution into a podcast.
1: We did. What really New Year's
0: resolution are we going to turn into a podcast this year?
1: I don't I don't have. I can't better myself anymore. This is pretty much as good as I think I can. All right. Myself. Well, let's
0: focus. Let's focus on on this version of self-betterment. What did All you right. read this week, Andrew?
1: Um, this week, I read Ernest Hemingway's The Old Man in the Sea, and I picked it because I wanted to read some Hemingway, and it seemed like it was one of the shorter ones. I'm not going to mince words. Uh, is it one of the shorter
0: ones, in fact?
1: I mean it's it's one of those, of the of the ones I looked at, I think I looked at For Whom the Belt Holes and maybe a couple others. Yeah. It was, it's it probably comparable to
0: um to Sun Also Rises, which I know is not incredibly long. But, sure.
1: Yeah. Um
0: So you had you read any Hemingway before?
1: I had not. No. Okay.
0: What what are your first impressions of the man? Either in your research or through his prose?
1: He's Man, like he's he's very he seems like a very no nonsense sort of guy, you know. Okay, like he's like his prose is very direct. It seemed like he lived his life without a lot of dissembling and without without a lot of like. Okay, here's here's something I'll take as as a as evidence of how direct he was. Is okay. he? Uh, he was okay. He was born in 1899. He died in 1961. In nineteen twenty seven he got a divorce from Hadley Richardson. Um he married uh Pauline Piper after that. Um Martha Gelhorn became his third wife in nineteen forty. And then they separated when he met Mary Welsh, who he then also married, and she was his wife until he died. But Dude dude, dude like went for it when he <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, let's skip over the part where maybe some of those marriages didn't go so well because he was probably drunk and focused on writing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seemed like he was kind of a high-functioning alcoholic for most of his life. So, I mean, um, you know, not I'm not saying that he was, he was, like, enviable or, like, worthy of emulation. I'm just saying, like... But dude knew what he wanted and he took it. He didn't mince words or, no, or, he did or not. marriages or anything
0: Yeah, that's true. That's he very did true. Not,
1: did not mince he did not mince marriages.
0: <laughs> let's let's not mince marriages like we did at the top of this podcast. Let's no, not let's do n- that. let's not do that. Uh well, I think prose style-wise, I actually don't know how this might have affected his uh personality or or it would have been because of his personality. But he was a journalist for some time, right? Um, yeah,
1: right. That that was his Like he, he, I mean, he took journalism classes in school. And one of his earlier ones, I think, was, I mean, it sounded like the classroom was kind of run as a newsroom, which is really interesting. Like I'm a big, I'm a big believer in like practical education. Mm -hmm. And so I think anything like that that actually goes beyond like exercises and actually treats what you're doing as work i think that's really that that's really valuable so you and would have can, been at
0: home in a medieval apprenticeship is what you're saying I,
1: I, maybe maybe if i hadn't gotten like blacksmith black me death these boots. or something yeah. like. <laughs> uh
0: okay because what i recall from reading hemingway uh what little i've read i've not read a lot of hemingway but what i have read it is informed by this Economical prose style, um, very spare word choice, um, almost driven from a journalistic background of, you know, word count and making sure that you're focused, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah. Like, here's the deal like, his first job out of high school was he was a junior reporter at the Kansas City Star, mm-hmm. and um, their style guide like it's it's and again we're reading from wikipedia their style guide is summed up in just a couple of a few short sentences um it says although he stayed there for only 6 months he relied on the star style guide as a foundation for his writing use short sentences use short first paragraphs use vigorous english be positive not negative what is and that what is vigorous english what do you think that is i think it I would say that it probably means, again, you know, be direct, be like active. In terms of your voice, you know, don't, like don't use passive voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, I may, I might be wrong about that, but just like, be direct, be interesting. Don't, don't be overly florid in mm. an attempt to impress people. That would mm-hmm. that would be my read on it. I don't know if that's necessarily the right read, but I think that's, based on based on the old man in the sea and the stuff that i've read about him i think that's probably gets closest to the spirit of it
0: is there anything else that you found in research that you think kind of informs the book at all specifically
1: well i mean there was, specifically there was actually a a letter that he wrote that was about a real man who went out and like he caught this and, and this will, of course, I'm totally ruining the book. There was a real man <laughs> who went out and he caught a big fish and the fish like pulled his boat away from land for a couple of days. And then he killed the fish and then sharks got a bunch of the fish as he was trying to bring it back in. So, I mean, okay. there there is <laughs> informing this story specifically. There was pretty like that's a pretty clear influence. So he had was,
0: a tail to work from.
1: Yeah. And that was that was mentioned up front in like the introduction of the the ebook version that I read was that they mentioned this particular letter from Hemingway as being the seed of this story. And I, I will tell you up front that there are religious readings of this book that I'm just not even remotely prepared to talk about. Like there's, there are apparently religious themes running through it that I didn't catch as I was reading it. And it only started to become clearer to me as I was researching it. So I'm not like, I don't know like if if that's a reading of the old man in the Sea, and I think that it is I'm just i'm I'm gonna tell you up front not to ask me about it because I'm not gonna know anything
0: <laughs> okay that's fair um, um I, I i did come on to ask you about that but I'll let it slide
1: <laughs> I mean why don't you do you, do you know stuff like is no not really okay Never mind. Uh, well let's
0: dive into the book then set up set up the book for me what is the conceit? What's going on who's who's who is this old man? What's his deal?
1: um, so the old man and the sea is it's like it's part like survival story you know if you if you think of something like to build a fire, which I think was a high school English mainstay, what is to build a fire? Don't you know what do you to mean build a fire? Is? Do you no, mean I, no? I know I mean to build a fire. The mountain to build a fire is a story about a guy who goes out in the cold and he underestimates how cold it's going to be and he keeps thinking to himself, like in very in very specific terms, like I need to build a fire before my hands feel like this or like this. This mm-hmm. is exactly what I need to do to stay warm enough to stay alive in this climate. And I believe he dies at the end. Oh, but uh um, right. Okay, I mean, so I, I, think, I think a lot of people a lot of people read to Build a Fire in, in high school as I think I read it in junior or senior year and okay. yeah, it's kind of held up as as a paragon of survival fiction. Um so I mean there are elements of that to it. There are some elements of Moby Dick, but that comparison will only get you so far.
0: <laughs> it'll um, it'll remain your white whale. You you'll never get there.
1: I mean, there there are just there are elements of Moby Dick in how he pursues the fish and he like won't let the fish go. But it's certainly like it's nowhere near that dramatic. Like he does, he doesn't have a specific grudge against the fish.
0: He's not ri- so Hemingway is not riffing on Moby Dick. And no, as, I mean not.
1: He might be responding to it in some way, but he's not trying to write his own Moby Dick with this.
0: All right. I, I think at this point, if you have a story with a dude chasing a whale, you have to acknowledge that someone will think of Moby Dick. And it's not a whale, not, but
1: it is a—it's a pretty big fish. It's, it's a big—it's a big marlin. F- it's, it's a pretty big, it's, it's big, 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 big fish. Big, big fish. <laughs> um, so, I mean, should I just like break down the plot for you? Is that what I, I mean? Should...
0: I mean, if that's interesting to you, is—is is it an interesting
1: plot? A lot of what is appealing about the old man in the sea is just actually reading it because okay, so the old man, his name is Santiago, and you spend the entire book pretty much in his head. Great, okay. And I mean, there, there is, there's a, there's a sequence of events which I will relay to you, but, but that <laughs> is only part of the story, like. We I talked a little bit before about how the prose is kind of the point of reading The Old Man in the Sea, and I think that's true. Okay. So yeah, it's like it's part survival story. There's a lot there's a little Moby Dick in it. There's a lot of man versus nature in it. And when I say man versus nature, I I'm talking about not only like man triumphing over nature, but just like man's place in nature and how man is different from animals and stuff like that
0: oh interesting all right Um, that's kind of one of the things that stuck with me um to do a callback to an earlier book that's one of the things that stuck has stuck with me from grendel actually of of the monster kind of figuring out its place in the hierarchy of the world you know right yeah these these types of stories do a pretty good job of exploring that theme um and i wonder did life of pi do that at all was that
1: present in that book sort of i mean there was there was a lot of he got a lot of mileage certainly out of the interplay between pi and and um the tiger okay yeah and 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 just in like the you know general food chain stuff and but when you get to the point where you're doing any kind of survival story which life of pi kind of was and this kind of was you Really get, I don't know. Like I I think in our modern lives, we're really insulated from surviving. Like you and you and I do not have to spend a lot of mental cycles worrying about when our like where our next meal is going to come from. Yeah, or like where we're going to sleep at night. Like we we've our society at this point for you and I anyway. You know, understanding that as white guys, we we come at this with a pretty disgusting amount of privilege. Like we we've got those basic needs taken care of.
0: Yes, I mean I we we talked for a few minutes about how I've had a frustrating month, but I can still go to the Wawa and get a hoagie. Like it's yeah, not, like you're
1: not sleeping in the gutter.
0: No, not I mean, because you have to anyway. No, no. If I'm doing that, it's that's just a Friday. That's just a fun day. <laughs> it's just Gutter Day. Like come on, but I'm not like out in a boat. Cause some fish left me there. How did that happen?
1: What do you mean? How the fish thing happened?
0: Yeah. How did the fish thing happen?
1: All right. So here's the deal: is um, Santiago is this old guy, and he is seen as very unlucky because he has gone out for eighty four consecutive days, and he has not caught a fish. No. Um, he used to go out with a with a boy named. I'm trying to find the oh Manolin. The boy's name is Manolin. He went out for a long time with a boy named Manolin, but he did not catch fish for so long that Manolin's parents said that he could not go out with Santiago anymore because Aww. he was that unlucky that he Aww. just couldn't catch any fish. And um, so he goes out on his 85th day. And I think part of the reason that the book takes place is he's just like, he's determined to have this be the day that he breaks the streak great and is there a sense that
0: if it doesn't happen sorry is there there a sense that if it doesn't happen he's going to give up
1: no like he's and throughout the whole book like that's that's one of the themes is just like he doesn't want to give up and then once he gets to the point where he wants to give up he is like he can't give up anymore or he's just dead.
0: No, I, or he's dead. I like that. I like that yeah. already. I like <laughs> that message. <laughs> it speaks to me.
1: So he's he goes out in his, in his boat, and you get I don't know. This this is the point at which it really starts to become just a long monologue, and you see nothing. I mean, the only thing you see is through the point of view of Santiago, and so you see him being very precise about about the the things that he does and about how he sets his bait like there's a point early in the book where he like he's talking about luck and how luck factors into to catching fish and you know he's seen as being unlucky and he says it's better to be lucky but I would rather be exact then when luck comes you are ready hmm. and I like that's that. kind of how he justifies like the very precise depth and the very pre- precise like types of bait and things that he that he puts on his. Now hook. is
0: this in first person or is this in like a close third?
1: Um, I th- it alternates. Like he does talk to himself, and in that in those instances, it becomes first person. But most of the time, it's a very very close third. Because mm. I like I've like read. the narrator is is saying things, you know, as as he like he sees spots swimming before his eyes or he whatever, but the narrator can see the spots and can feel like the pain that Santiago feels and then stuff like that. So yeah, right. very, very close third.
0: All right. Cause I've read, um, I think it's big two hearted river, which is a, a long short story, um, to use an odd term by Hemingway. That is just a guy out in the wilderness fishing, um, not on a boat or anything, but in a river, obviously um and there is a lot of there is a lot of discussion of just kind of the ins and outs the minutia of his activities mm-hmm. um do you think do you find that that kind of i think you you just picked a passage actually that kind of speaks to this man's character right does that kind of develop does he keep doing that like he's describing these details that on one hand could be perfunctory but they kind of start summing up the old yeah, man.
1: Yeah, you really, really do. Like, let let me run through the rest of the plot really quick, and then it, remind me to come back to that if I get away from it. Okay. But um, so basically, he goes out in in the sea, and I mean, he's in the Gulf of Mexico, and he um he sets his bait, and he hooks this fish, and he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't see it for a long time. He just knows that the fish is strong enough that it pulls his line taut. like he he's not he's not fishing with like a fishing pole he's he's just got a lot of lengths of rope okay and and so he's got to like pull it up with his hands he's got to hold it with his hands he's got to brace it against his back like if the line starts to get pulled away from him by the fish like it pulls through his hands and like it, uh, it gets very painful. What someday. kind of
0: uh vessel is he in?
1: He's in a skiff. <laughs> so it's a What's that? It's a small boat. Um it's got a sail and a rudder that he can put up if he needs to, but it sounds like it, I mean it's a two-person boat.
0: He can best. sit in it. It's not a raft.
1: Yeah, no, it's not a raft. I mean, it is a boat, but it's not a big boat. Okay. So he hooks his fish and this fish starts pulling him and it just is pulling him out to sea. and he he is like okay i'm gonna wait for this fish to tire itself out and i'm gonna get it because it's my 85th day without a fish (laughs) and i'm gonna break the streak um and so for two days and two nights this fish pulls him and it's I mean, it's only after – I mean, it's after at least a day and a night that he finally – the fish finally jumps out of the water and he finally sees it. Oh, wow. And it's this this big marlin that's that's as big as or slightly bigger than the boat he is in. Oh, no. But he's just – he's determined – Like he, you know, the fish keeps pulling him further and further out and he thinks, you know, nobody gets lost at sea. I can see the glow of the city. I am not going to get lost. Like it's going to be fine. Um, He has a little bit of water with him. So he drinks a little bit of water. He manages to catch a couple smaller fish that he cuts up raw and eats. Wait, he does that. Wait,
0: he does that while he has the big fish?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. Like there's,
1: there's a lot of stuff about how he has to hold the fish steady and not like surprise it because if if the fish if the fish gets like if it hurts too much or if it feels'm pulling too much like he's either gonna break his rope or he's gonna pull the wound that the hook has made too much and the hook is gonna come free oh my God this sounds like the worst <laughs> so yeah he just he basically has to wait this fish out like holding the hook at exactly the right pressure. And just he has to wait for this fish to get tired, and so eventually it does, and it's um you know it circles him and he manages to harpoon it in the heart and kill it and lash it alongside the skiff and start making for home, but the you know the blood from the fish is left in the water and it starts attracting these sharks Mm. and these sharks attack him and he's you know he's got a harpoon at first but he loses that. He's got an oar with a knife that he's lashed to the end of it for a while, but then he loses that. No, Um, And then he's got, you know, he's, he's hitting him with an oar. He removes the rudder of the boat and he's stabbing the sharks with the rudder. By the time he finally gets home, the fish has been devoured pretty much entirely. Like any, any, anything of value on this fish. Which is revealed when he gets back to the shore by its skeleton to be about eighteen feet long. Stop it. There is basically nothing left of this fish. Oh. And that's the that's the main thrust of the story. But he's okay, like He's he's pretty banged up. Well, before we get into that, what 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 was the thing I told you to bring me back to?
0: <laughs> uh the small passages of minutiae. Okay. Okay. That okay. describe him in total. So you yeah, talk I mean, about his exactitude.
1: Yeah, I mean the 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 small descriptions of really specific things, like I'm talking about how you know he he makes it back to shore, but he's been just beaten beaten up. Mm-hmm. Like he is a, he's in really bad shape, and so every time the fish starts to pull away and the line is just. I mean, if you've ever slid down a rope and gotten rope burned, you you know what this is like. But it's, you know, it's just rope go like running through his hands and cutting him, cutting his back. Like mm. you like you hear you read about the spots that are floating in front of his eyes because he has been out at sea for two days and two nights. And he's only slept a little bit. He's only slept really fitfully because he's got to be holding this fish the whole time. Yeah. How do you sleep?
0: That doesn't work.
1: He was talking about um, lashing one of the oars to the front of the boat to kind of provide a little bit of resistance, so he would tire the fish out. Okay, but you know, still holding the the rope and just hoping or or God. knowing that the rope being pulled would wake him up, which it does.
0: Um, do we get the sense? Sorry, do we get the sense that he's he's is he an
1: expert fisherman who just yeah, happens I mean, he, to be on
0: a bad run?
1: No, he's he's an old man. He knows what he's about. Okay. Like, being a fisherman is his life. Okay. But he's just, yeah, he's just had a super bad run.
0: Because if I was that, I wouldn't know what to do. I think I would freak out.
1: But, yeah, the, the thing, I don't know, he's he's kind of fighting himself as much as he's fighting the fish mm. the whole way. Like, he's, I, I want to bring up the Lord of the Rings a little bit because Um. (laughs) i don't okay because only because it made me think of this but when he's thinking about catching this fish i think he's thinking about he's thinking about you know keeping strong and like keeping a clear head but he is not thinking past catching the fish he's not thinking about making it back home which mm. is where it, which is where the Lord of the Rings comparison comes in. Okay, <laughs> okay. They're trying to destroy the ring, and they pretty much only had enough to get to the point they could destroy the ring, and then they didn't. They weren't really thinking about making it back.
0: Okay, I could buy that. I guess you can, <laughs> you can make that comparison.
1: I can, and I did. And I couldn't it or, stop you. Really, may or may not be valid. Um, okay. Old Man and the Sea was published in nineteen fifty two, which I believe was after Lord of the Rings by a bit, by a decade and a half, So wait, or two so decades. you're
0: trying to tell me
1: No, 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 no. I'm not trying to say that Ernest Hemingway was like number one Tolkien. So fan. Ezra just, Pound was I'm like, saying, hey as I was reading this this book, <laughs> this is what came up is like he's he's eating these slabs of raw fish and taking these sips of water. And it's like, okay, like even if you can make it so you can catch this fish which is as big as your boat which i don't think you're going to be able to do you're not really think you're not thinking about the long game is and, uh, and that become that becomes evident when he's trying to take the fish back and he's you know he's attacked by all these sharks who keep who keep taking the fish and and biting it and yeah the fish know, is really only
0: pretty, making things worse isn't it
1: yeah, I mean, there's a whole other dimension to the fish that we can talk about as soon as I. I mean, I sense that you have questions. I keep I, interrupting you with more absurdity from Old Man in the Sea. No,
0: I, I mean, what now? Well, I had. I don't know if I had questions. You told me that the fifth, that the fish existed in a fourth dimension. I don't know.
1: In a fourth dimension, you, what? you said he had extra dimensions. What? You oh no, no 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 no! I'm I said. <laughs> <laughs> the fish is thematically... Oh. Like, there are thematically more things going on with the fish than just what is on the surface. I did not say that the fish existed outside of our dimension.
0: He exists outside of time. All right, well, what does the fish stand for?
1: He becomes... I mean, he this fish almost kind of stands for nature. In like, a way. he's an like activist? He, no. tree hugger? Just the the fish like there are a lot of comparisons between the old man and the fish okay that the old man makes and it's does he begin does he begin to empathize with the fish he does he starts to empathize with the fish and he's like oh you were such a big strong fish <laughs> and like you and i are you and i are brothers and and i feel kind of bad about having hooked you mm. and that that feeling gets worse as he goes back to shore, and as the fish gets torn apart, he's, he's like, "You deserve more than this. I am sorry that I ever hooked you in the first place."
0: Oh yeah, he and, ruined that fish's life,
1: and, there was and his one, afterlife. There was one particular quote that just that just really really got me good. Like it was a really good. Okay, it was and, a he, good and quote. he he's talking about he's talking about the fish, or um. Yeah, I mean he's just talking about the fish and then this is one of the many comparisons between like himself and the fish and like nature at large that he makes. And he says, "But I was more intelligent than he was where, you know, he is the fish." Uh but perhaps not, he thought. Perhaps I was only better armed. Mm. Mhm. And I think that's really like that's a lot about what being human is about, right? Like
0: <laughs> No, yeah, just no, like it is.
1: Just like we we're at the top of the food chain, and it's partly because we're smart, but partly because we're tool users. Like we just
0: Well, you know, those like go we hand in hand, but
1: we can't make a we can't there's no animal that can overpower the the killing implements that we can create, you know?
0: Yeah, <laughs> the closest thing is like a whale or a bear.
1: But we right? can kill those too.
0: Yeah, we totally kill those. That's I was listening to something about people like eating whale or there was that like whale infused liquor that people were serving in iceland oh. that got people all upset and i was thinking i was like whales can sing songs like <laughs> i know i kind of sounded like a stoner just there but i promise
1: dude whales dude
0: he Whales sing songs but they have like they have their own languages they kind of like Different groups of whales have different songs that they can recognize, and people are eating them. That's messed up. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. If, if chickens had a language, I might have to rethink chicken nuggets. Thank God.
1: I don't even... I mean, I don't know that chickens have enough in common with chicken nuggets. <laughs> it's a comparison you can make anymore.
0: But if I had to... I guess if I chased a chicken for like two weeks and the chicken was still going by the end of it. I would have respect for that chicken.
1: Yeah. But it's it's like by the time he's killed the fish and the sharks are attacking it, he's like he quickly starts to regret. Like he he immediately starts to regret having come out that far. Like he's he starts admitting that it was kind of dumb to come out as far as he came and like he he would have been fine if he caught this fish closer to land basically because Hmm. the sharks are just having too much time to get at it and for a while he's talking to the fish but after a couple times you know after a couple visits from the sharks it it says he did not like to look at the fish anymore since he had been mutilated when the fish had been hit it was as though he himself were hit (laughs) And yeah. he just really starts to identify with the fish. Well, and he be- starts I mean he starts he starts thinking about the the I don't know the nature of being alive, like to be to be human, to be alive, to be at the top of the food chain necessitates killing other things.
0: Well, and it also being human specifically you are afforded the option in many cases not in all cases as we were saying earlier in the show but in many cases you are afforded the option to not kill that thing right
1: yeah i mean at to, to some degree i think i think for a lot of and certain you know this this book is not taking place before like agrarian society existed but i think in in early society Oh yeah. It's um the concept the concept of like farming and saving up food until the next time you could harvest your crops, I don't think that was a thing yet. No, probably not. And when you're more worried about day-to-day survival, yeah, meat is going to be a more immediate source of of nutrients. Yes, of course. What
0: anything? what do we know about the old man? And do we learn anything about his life outside of this incident? Like is that does that impact the book at
1: all? Um, he really likes baseball. Um, his favorite baseball <laughs> player is Joe DiMaggio. I did
0: not expect you to lead with baseball.
1: His favorite baseball player is Joe DiMaggio and he identifies with DiMaggio because he read somewhere that DiMaggio's parents were fishermen. And so he he has this idea that DiMaggio must you know, he must have fished. He must understand what life is like. That's for me. great.
0: Yeah. That's what being a sport fan is. That's totally like you watch your favorite. <laughs> you watch your favorite uh, athlete, or you know, if he's on your on your hometown team, and you're just be like, yeah, he's to- Oh, he's totally like me. He's totally into the stuff. I could have a beer with him. Yeah, like we.
1: Yeah, we could totally hang out.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. I love that. That's in there. But like,
1: so, what I mean, do we? You, you do get we... a sense of that. You. You actually, you get a picture of his stubbornness like he he is there's is a flashback i guess or like he's remembering this thing where he's in this contest with an a uh, black person basically i guess i that is a way less offensive way to refer to the person than the way that he is referred to in the book
0: great can do
1: um and it was this contest, whatever it was, went on for 24 hours, went on from like Sunday morning to Monday morning. And it went on for so long that the referees had to tap out and that like people started to leave because I had to go to work the next day. Mm. Like <laughs> You get the story conveys this idea that once this old man and even though he was a young man in the story, like once Santiago has put his mind to something, he is going to do it. And what, how and does that, the
0: book feel about that theme overall? Right, because the earlier quote you suggested, there was the sense of remorse that 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 type of persistence can take things beyond where you intended them.
1: I think the book is down on it. Oh, pretty okay, much like I think that that's the that's the takeaway is like he went out too far, and as a result, not only has he inflicted these wounds upon himself. And he's made things really hard for himself. He has also destroyed this this life that was not so unlike him. Hmm. Like he is he has killed this big, smart, strong fish, and it was for nothing.
0: Does the score, Does the story give him opportunities to stop or go back?
1: I mean, the whole time he could stop and go back.
0: Yeah, I guess. The whole
1: time he could cut the line or pull too hard so it came out and go back. But he just keeps telling himself, it's going to be fine. I can get back. I can catch this fish. Hmm. And I mean, I I wouldn't call it hubris, but he just it's the kind of thing that keeps it's just little thing after little thing keeps building and building and building until he's two days out into the ocean.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: (laughs) With this fish and. Barely enough strength to stay alive. I don't know. Uh,
0: I know you didn't see it on your first reading, but you saw some of it in in your research. Do you, does any of that kind of jive with some of the biblical stuff that I will also admit we probably aren't well equipped to talk about?
1: Yeah, there is a reason I asked you not to talk about
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just that type of persistence, you know. Is it Book of Job stuff? Is it... I don't know. I'm, I'd be interested for, for listeners who so might know more I'm than not, we do to I'm, kind I'm of gonna, chime in.
1: I'm going to read the Wikipedia thing that's here because it's here and it is one of the more obvious passages in retrospect. And um, he cites one of the sharks and he says, I... And the passage is like, I said aloud, there's no translation for this word, and perhaps it is just a noise such as a man might make, involuntarily feeling the nail go through his hands and into the wood. Mm, okay. Like Jesus, get it?
0: Yeah. Saying I. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not. Like I said at the beginning, in an attempt to dissuade you from asking questions like this, I'm not equipped to discuss this novel's Christian Im- imagery but uh
0: yeah i i think i just think that that's fascinating I, I from it from an purely objective level to the book and almost a meta level to this podcast in general like i've been i i just read the awakening and i'm a little ways through pygmalion right now which even though you could argue that Henry Higgins is the main character, like it is totally about the experience of a woman being manipulated. Um, and there's whole readings of both of those texts that I don't have access to. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I wonder if this book. Do you think *Old Man and the Sea* resonates differently when you're, when you're older? To be quite blunt,
1: you know it might like i i don't think there's anything about this book that is not or at least about how this book views age that i'm not getting like i okay. might like if i were older i think maybe it would have more of a personal impact on me but i totally get the desire as you get older to like to not to to not want to admit that maybe you're not as strong as you used to be. You can't do as many things by yourself as you used to be mm-hmm. able to do. You know, you know, things like that. I I can understand it being hard to let go of youth. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean I think that's a huge point of contention between people of different generations and it's you it's like almost cliche to talk about people who deal with their aging parents and have to be like, stop it. You can't do that anymore. You know, like, don't, you're going to hurt yourself or you know, anything like that. Or yeah, drive You make you know, the classic jokes about old people driving derived from that same conflict. <laughs> right. Of just like, I want to prove that I can do this thing because it, it makes me feel on par with the rest of
1: society yeah, but, like, through jokes and pop culture and my own experience with aging relatives, I I understand that. Like, I, I don't think being old myself would add a ton to that reading of the book that I don't already get, you know?
0: No, 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 no. I, I was just wondering if it was there in general. Um,
1: I think. I mean, I think you can see it. And this was written uh, Hemingway, late in Hemingway's life, right? Um, late-ish. Uh, Hemingway died, like I said, in sixty-one. Uh, yeah, and he—I mean, this was published in nineteen fifty-two, and so he was—you know—he wasn't at the end of his life, but certainly late in his career. Late in his career, and certainly he was—he was feeling. I I'm, I'm pretty sure he was feeling aged at this point. Like there, there were some things that happened later in his life. Like he sustained a few serious injuries and other things that sort of hastened his his um deterioration, I yeah, guess. Yeah, well
0: and he had, he had a terrible time in World War 1 and you know, afterwards like he was it seems his life was a series of 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 injuries in that regard.
1: Yeah. Right, and then that only that only got worse as he got older, so i'm I'm sure at the point where he was writing this book, he was maybe starting to feel a little old himself i mean fifty 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 one fifty two would not have you know would not feel super old to us. I don't think like we would we would feel old compared to what we are now, but in the scheme of things, I don't think we would feel
0: not not to to assume a lot about people who are older than me, but I've, i yeah my my experience with relatives um and even my mom who's in her fifties is like fifties is when you perhaps start feeling old or you are still wondering why you don't feel old um it seems to be this kind of liminal decade where certain things might make you feel old, but certain things you look at people older than you go well well, that's weird um
1: and i think that that sort of feeling only intensifies as you move into your 60s
0: yeah yeah
1: speaking from experience of course yeah i mean me, me, me me too my my limited experience through other people
0: um oh i thought i had something to say that was related to what we were talking about
1: yeah, good good talk.
0: Oh, well, oh, that's what it was. Because <laughs> um, he had published, Hemingway had published something before Old Man in the Sea that didn't go well. It was not well received. I can't remember what it's called. Something across trees
1: or. Oh, oh, oh I know this.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, across
1: the river and into the trees. Yeah,
0: which I, I believe was not very well received.
1: Yeah, Old Man in the Sea sort of um reignited interest in Hemingway's works.
0: I mean it certainly helped that it was it he did he win the Pulitzer for it and then the next year he won the Nobel? Is that how is that the timeline? Um uh, yeah, he wrote he
1: won the Pulitzer in May of nineteen fifty two after Old Man in the Sea. Okay. And then in fifty four he received the Nobel Prize in Literature.
0: And they they've kind of said publicly that Old Man in the Sea helped him like helped his case like that was the book that pushed the Nobel committee to Yeah to yeah yeah
1: it. I th- I think it's it's maybe the bridge between his earlier works and now it's like th- it's the thing that made scholars interested in Hemingway again
0: Yeah 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 um, All right well, did did it make you interested in Hemingway
1: It really did like I I the first quarter or so of the book is mostly it's him and the and the young boy just kind of talking about stuff. <laughs> and it's like, okay, when is this story gonna get started? And and the story doesn't get started ever, like in a <laughs> in a I mean, like in a sense where this would be a super plot driven book, but yeah. by the end you start picking up on all this thematic stuff and I mean the the prose again is really direct and really gripping and you really I mean you feel The pain that he must be feeling like, like, like after the fish starts to pull away from him and he and the line cuts his hands, you know, he's got to reposition the line again so he can keep pulling the fish in. And you read about how he's he's very carefully repositioning the rope so it does not cut over what has already been cut or he, ah. he's trying, he's trying to position the line so it doesn't cut his fingers. Ah. Like there are these whole sections where he basically yells at his left hand. Like there's a point where it cramps up and he talks about how it has always been. It's always been like the, the less reliable of the two. And if it can't stay, if it can not stay active, then let the rope cut it off. And like that, that's the, that's the point where he starts to think, you know, maybe, maybe I, maybe I'm getting a little delirious.
0: That's that's always the part of survival stories that make me go. I don't know if I could do that.
1: Is it that that's that part where you, where you start to lose it a little bit, but you're still with it enough to know that you're losing
0: it. Yes, exactly. Like Ugh. part of your body feels like it can keep going, and there's some isolated. Because I don't I don't know that I've even experienced something that tough for for long enough to be in that situation, you know and to to even fathom what that is like, ugh, it's insane, I can't yeah, yeah, I can't handle it
1: <laughs> ugh.
0: well, that's the old man, in the sea, I think, right, yeah, pretty did, much I, I, I don't
1: I don't think I did it justice and like and like we we've said it, I'm not really equipped to discuss some of its other meanings, but it's it's a really i mean even if you're just reading it at the surface it's a really good survival story okay and then once you start to consider the like man versus nature element of it without without even going into the religious part or any of the other stuff like it it becomes it becomes deeper than than a you know a surface reading of it would suggest so so yeah if if you haven't read Hemingway before it is it is on the short side um it'll take you you know if you're a pretty quick reader it'll take you like three or four hours to get through total mm-hmm. and um yeah it's a, it's a good introduction and it, it does make me more interested in reading more of his stuff because he is one of those those great dead white man authors <laughs> that is who, correct who's been so you know so thoroughly canonized by by um higher education so well and, ha- and
0: kind of took on has taken on also a life as a as a literary character, in a way, like yeah, um, the way he lived his life and uh, his both his style of writing and the the cliche kind of discussion about his writing as fueled by alcohol, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, I um, think he's he's become one of those one of those examples that people seek to emulate for better or worse. Yes. So. <laughs> well, if
0: Hemingway could do it, bah, I'm dead. Yeah, like that's right. it's terrible. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think I hear Hemingway cited for more cases of like casual writerly alcoholism. Oh God, <laughs> no! Nope, don't do that. that. Yeah.
0: Ugh. Well, I think that's it.
1: If if you're worried about our casual go. alcoholism, you should. <laughs> You should email overdue pod at gmail dot com. That's our email address. And we'll check it and, and read the emails that you send. Uh we also have a Twitter feed that we maintain at twitter.com slash overdue pod and a Facebook page at facebook.com slash overdue pod. And I believe that rounds out our social media mainstay is Craig what do you have
0: well I mean I have I did have a drink earlier but now I have information on our website which is overduepodcast.com where you can find links to all of those aforementioned social media sites uh, links to old episodes there's a player there if you just want to open that at work and like play it for your work buddies or something I don't know whatever you do (laughs) Uh, you can also find links to Amazon uh, for the books that we're reading which you can purchase in a variety of fashions. Uh, we'd greatly appreciate that because that helps us out on our back end. And another way to help us out is by following the link to our iTunes page, uh, reviewing us, rating us, uh, subscribing. If you haven't already, what are you doing? Um, and if you want to subscribe <laughs> in a different way, you can use our RSS feed, which is also on the website. Uh, next week, I will be talking about Pygmalion, which is a play by George Bernard Shaw. Uh do you know the most famous line from Pygmalion Andrew?
1: No. Or maybe I do and I just don't know.
0: The rain in Spain falls mainly on the plain. Well, get your English accents ready cuz we're going to England town. Because
1: next week will be our final episode. <laughs> uh, uh this this true. week this week my resolution is to go through all the podcasts that I listen to every week. And I'm going to rate and review Ooh, them, oh, that's I a do. good idea, because I ask you, our listenership, to do that all the time, and I have not done it yet, and I feel like that's bad podcast karma, so,
0: and you should totally do it for the other if, if you're listening right now and you listen to other shows, go do that support because it really does podcasts. it really does
1: help like like for smaller shows like ours, we get few enough reviews still that we can read every one of them and like adjust the show or ignore your you know your ravings (laughs) as we as we see fit but it also it also helps our podcast raise in the itunes ranks and find more listeners and and yeah that that that's what that's what our game is is we want we want more of you to be listening to our book related ramblings so
0: so that's it we'll see you next week
1: yeah everybody try to be happy